Let's pray. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock, our redeemer. Amen. All right, I want you to take a moment to think about your favorite Christmas gift that you've ever gotten. Your favorite Christmas gift. All right, let me hear them. What's what? A what? A family. Okay. Yeah, family is a great gift at Christmas. What, what else? What's an actual gift somebody's received that they really liked? Okay, what was that? Drum set. Drum set. <laughs> Alvin, what else? What? A pillow. Okay, something with a dog's face on it. Okay. Anything else? What, Noah? Grandma's hand-me-down car. Yep, that's a, that's a good one. <laughs> all right, sorry I didn't get them all. Well, let me tell you my favorite gift I ever got. Santa delivered it. And after Santa delivered it, somehow, interestingly, um, after Santa had delivered it, my mom and dad came down. And I found them, and they woke me up playing with my gift. <laughs> I heard... Such a clatter, I had to get up, I didn't know what was the matter. And I go downstairs, and there are my mom and dad playing in television. Now, in television was a very early addition to all the fun games you guys play, but this was the coolest thing ever, and I got it for Christmas. It was, I, to this day, I still remember turning that corner and seeing them playing the gift that Santa had brought me, and I was so excited that I could not stop, and I stayed up probably the next 24 hours playing that video game. It was amazing. So we remember our favorite gifts, right? Right? What about your worst gift? Ironing board. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Ironing board. I can't think of much worse. As a matter of fact, I'm not sure I know what that is. What is an ironing board? <laughs> okay. Anybody? What, another bad gift? Did she say what I thought she said? What? Oh, mattress pad. Okay. This is the late service, I guess, so there you go. I'm going to just stop now. Um, Well, this reminds me of of something that Garrison Keillor once said. He talked about the perils of Christmas getting. Because he said a Christmas gift represents, oftentimes, someone's theory of who you are. Or who they wish you were. And he said this. He said, what if you see yourself as a suave dude with a swift intellect? But then for Christmas, your wife gives you a pair of undershorts that perform O'Tannenbaum when you sit down. He says, that is not, he says, is that not a minor existential problem? Yes, we've received gifts, haven't we, that we 
that cause us to consider what was the person trying to say about us. Well, you'll never accuse me of not being brave after this. For five years after I was married, my lovely and generous mother-in-law, who was here sitting in the front row, gave me a beautiful chasuble each and for in each different church color. Now, the chasubles are those things that I wear behind the altar during communion, right? Yes, of course. And they all have different symbols representing them. And they are even of different thickness. And so that the lightweight ones are for the warmer months and the heavier ones are for the colder months. And they are incredibly beautiful. They're exquisitely handmade. And they remain to this day one of the most thoughtful gifts I've ever received. Miriam, thank you. The thing is, I had never worn one before I got them from her. I'd never worn one. I'm not a real high church kind of guy. I wear a collar and jeans if it would be up to me. And the reality is, though, I love them. And I appreciate them. And I wear them. And I am saying this not just simply because you're here tonight. But I'm saying it because it reminds us of what other people may see in us, maybe not something that we see in ourselves. And it certainly has helped, let's say, class up this pastor just a little bit. So thank you. I can't give Miriam too much of a hard time, though, because I have also done similar things in my gift giving. One year, I gave my dad, actually for several years in a row, I gave my dad a book about golf. Because, see, he had given up the game in frustration. And he and I had played together and we loved it. It was something that I truly treasured doing with my father. And when he quit playing, it made me really sad. And so in a very not discreet manner, I tried to spark that flame of golf in him again, that we could have those special times on the golf course that meant so much to me. And so I gave him golf books for years and years until he sat me down and just said it was never going to happen, son. And I've learned to live with that disappointment, but we found other ways to connect. And that's been, that's been a gift for me. Um, most gifts that we receive eventually fade from our memory. But those that we remember do touch, whether they're a wonderful, beautiful gift or something that uh, uh, perhaps a little different, um, it, uh, it, they touch a part of who we are or perhaps who we want to be. Likewise, most gifts that we give eventually fade from our memory. Except for those that we give hoping that the other person will will understand it as something that we're saying about who we believe they are or how special they are to us and that that relationship truly matters. And I think this is not particularly an inappropriate way to think about the events that we celebrate tonight. You see, I was once in a greeting card store and I came across a Christmas card that had emblazoned on it in beautiful gold writing uh, these words, for a child has been born for us, a son given to us. Authority rests upon his shoulders, and he is named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And underneath, where they write the name of the one to whom the words are attributed, they wrote George Frederick Handel. Now, there's to be sure. G.F. Handel uses these words brilliantly in his Messiah. But as you have already heard read tonight, the real author of these words and this promise is the prophet Isaiah. And I think making this distinction is not merely the whim of the theologically educated. It goes much deeper. For you see, the promised gift of Messiah 
is authored by an ordinary person, a man named Isaiah, who is not necessarily unlike us. You see, the promised gift of the Messiah is offered to a people who are in the midst, and Isaiah is prophesying to them, who are in the midst of breaking God's heart. They're in the midst of of upsetting God to the point that eventually they're going to be taken over as a people. And they're going to be taken away. They are sinful, brokenhearted, and fearful. Not unlike we often are in our lives. The promised gift of the Messiah that Isaiah makes is is made flesh for us in Jesus through a faithful yet uncertain couple, Mary and Joseph. They were followers of God, not unlike us, but uncertain. And also, also fearful. And also, at times, full of doubt. The promised gift of Messiah is first proclaimed as, uh, as this beautiful good news to a bunch of commonplace shepherds. At dinner tonight, we were eating, we were talking about the shepherds. And we've, we've kind of whitewashed them a little bit and made them into these angelic guys who walk around, but they were probably a bunch of roughnecks. They were probably guys you might not wanted to hang around late at night. The kind of guys that might get in a bar fight at 2 a.m. You know, regular folks just like us. This night, You may see yourselves as ordinary and sinful. As a roughneck, perhaps. Maybe you're brokenhearted, or you're full of fear, or uncertainty, or maybe simply you see your life as just commonplace. Perhaps this is how you see yourself. And while this is who you are, is it totally who you are? Because you've been given a gift that's meant to tell you exactly who you are, but more precisely, who God believes you to be. See, Jesus comes into our world, into our ordinary commonplace, broken-hearted lives. And He claims you to be not ordinary, but extraordinary. Not merely commonplace, but unique in the amazing gifts that God has given you to enact in this world. Jesus comes, Jesus is born into this world, our world of sinfulness, and forgives. Not only that, removes the shame so that we can dare to then call ourselves saint. Jesus is born into this world. He comes near to you and I amidst our broken hardness. And He does that so that we might find healing and comfort that we could not on our own. Jesus is born into our fear and then strengthens and inspire us to take paths that we never thought we could go, nor get through. 
Jesus is born into our uncertainty, our doubt, and offers us peace. You see, most gifts that we receive eventually fade from our memory. But like those that we do remember, the gift of Jesus seeks to touch a part of who you are and perhaps a part of who you want to be. Most gifts that are given eventually fade from memory. But like those that we do remember, God's gift to you this night, and indeed, the gift and promise of every day, is that God believes in you. God believes that you can be who He created you to be. He believes you are special. And He wants His relationship with you to matter. Because at your core, you are who God believes you to be. And God believes you to be His precious child today, tomorrow, and every day that is to come. You may be weighed down by health or struggling with pain, but you will not be abandoned. You may be struggling in a relationship or it may be broken beyond repair, but there is hope. You may be worried about your job or have no job at all. You may have lost a sense of purpose or uncertain about what the new year will bring. But God will find a new way. God will open a new door. You may be floundering in your faith. You may be here only after being drugged and dragged and screamed, brought here. You may be floundering with unrest in your soul, but God will never give up on you. Ever. Because God has claimed you And God sent God's Son to be with us so that we might know that we are precious in His sight. Garrison Keillor is probably correct in saying that all Christmas gifts are not worth getting. But there is one that is to be forever cherished. And that is the gift of God's own presence in the flesh with us, Jesus. The gift of God's ordinary presence in a humble stable. The gift of God's promised presence in the lives of His people. The gift of God's life-changing presence amidst your struggles and pain. The gift of God's hope-filled presence for any and all uncertainty and tragedy. Indeed, if this gift of tonight and that which we celebrate tonight says, it actually says more about the giver than the one who receives it then this night is ultimately and primarily about God. And our God, brothers and sisters, is a God who believes in you and who believes His home is with you. Because no matter who you may see yourself to be, God sees you through God's own eyes. God sees you as more precious than gold. God values you more than any expensive toy. God believes in you more than you can ever believe in yourself. And so as we celebrate tonight, God has, God is, and God will always come to be with you. And this broken and beloved world, 